G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. One of the things about the will of God is you can't do what you want to do. Now that sounds negative, but it's true. Saul tried to do what he wasn't called to do. He was called to be a a king, but he tried to be a priest. And in the end, he was neither a king nor a priest. David wanted to build a temple for God, but God said, no, I haven't called you to do that. You're a soldier, but your son will do that. You can't do what you want to do, but here's the good news. You can do what God wants you to do. Now, that's not restrictive. That's releasing. It means that you don't have to do everything others want you to do. The need, as some say, is not the call. The call is what God wants you to do. Find what God wants you to do and give yourself to that. This is Set Free with Ken Legg. And hello and welcome to Set Free with pastor and author Ken Legg. And we're looking at the subject of ministry gifts this week. And Ken, yesterday you shared with us that every Christian, without exception, every single one has received special grace from God to minister in a certain way. And you made the point that discovering that gift isn't rocket science. In fact, you said we would be amazed at how easy and natural it is to discover that gift. Some people, though, may be struggling with that idea. Uh, You said that it starts with the desire of our heart. Just recap on that. Yeah, you know, God works in us to formulate desires that are in accordance with our spiritual gift. Um, The next thing I would say that's pretty closely related to that, uh, Phil, is that our gifts motivate us. Uh, there's a motivational force in the gifts that God has given to us. For example, uh, in, in Romans chapter 12, which is one of the fullest passages in the New Testament on, on ministry gifts, Paul lists what we call seven motivational gifts. They are teaching, uh, administration, serving, giving, exhortation, mercy, and prophecy. And uh, these gifts motivate us in different ways. And and that's why we respond and react to life differently. Uh, I'm a teacher, and, and I, I'm constantly uh, gravitating around study and, and uh, ways that I can share what I've learned with the body of Christ. That's my motivational gift, and mm. uh, it's just the force that's operating in my life. That's what you're doing here right now. Exactly. It'd be pretty boring if we are all the same, though, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That's a good point, actually, Phil. I mean, uh, I've never been to a church that's full of teachers <laughs> or full of prophets. <laughs> Probably a good thing. <laughs> well, it's, the way that God's ordered thing is just amazing. There, there, there's different gifts in every church because we are a body. Yeah, but if we acted all the same, we'd all be all over the top of each other and competing with each other. And I guess what you're saying here, one of the reasons that we all respond differently to, to different things, different situations, is that God has wired us all differently according to those spiritual gifts that he's given us. Yeah. 
Um, there's a story I heard. It's done the rounds for quite a bit now, so some of our listeners may have heard it, so forgive me if you have, but uh, it really does illustrate this point very well. Um, it's the story of a couple that was invited to a house where other guests would be there for a meal. So before they set out, they said to their little boy, we'll call him Johnny, you know, Johnny, when you get there, just remember your manners at the table and, and just behave yourself and, and be a good boy, you know. Mm. So they set off and they arrive at the home and they're all sitting around the table and uh, out comes the first course, you know, which is soup and uh, everyone's hungry, Johnny's hungry and he just can't wait to get into it and they're, they're just about to start but then they, the adults start talking and you know what it's like for a little child, you know, when, when adults <laughs> are talking, it's like an eternity and Johnny's getting hungry and he's getting bored and he just starts tugging on the, 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 uh, oh, the tablecloth no. and well, yeah, you guessed it, you know, the, the, the soup comes out all over him. What a mess, what a crisis. Now, now, how would you and how would I and how would our listeners respond to a crisis like that? I guarantee that we would all respond differently. Now, I'm a teacher, okay? So I'd be sitting there thinking logically and analytically, this didn't need to happen. I wonder if um, Johnny's parents have uh, heard about my teaching series on how to bring up obedient children. You know, I must talk to them about that afterwards, you know. I'd be thinking analytically, you know, how that could have easily been avoided, you know. But then there would be somebody there that had the gift of administration. Mm. They would respond totally differently. They would get up, they'd organise the situation, they'd Mm. take control. You do this, you do that. Exactly. You go and get a cloth, you know, we'll clear this mess up. And would you get a bowl and we'll take a little bit of soup off your bowl and a little bit off yours and there we go. We've got a bowl of soup back for Johnny. The mess is cleared up, everything's Back on track. That's the administrator, always in control, you know. Hopefully there's some serving people there too, though. Exactly. They're the ones that are running around. They don't want to give the orders. They don't want to be, yep. you know, in centre stage. They just want to serve and they want to help and uh, and just help, you know, to, to make everything successful. So they're the ones running around doing the mopping up and so on. Then, of course, there's someone who's got a gift of giving. Now, we, we all give, but these people just have this gift of giving. So mm. the first response of that person would say is, here, Johnny, have mine. you have mine. Yeah. I, I didn't want it anyway. You know, you, you, you have it. And and then there'll be somebody there with the gift of exhortation and, and they'd stand up and they're saying, now, friends, you know, this is not going to get us down. You know, God is still on the throne. Uh, he still reigns. Amen. You know, uh, God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. And, uh, you know, they'll be sort of whipping everybody up in a positive state of mind. And uh, that's the gift of exhortation. But then there'll be somebody there with the gift of mercy. Now, a lot of these other gifts, they're task-oriented, but nobody's thought about Johnny, you know. So somebody would just come alongside Johnny who's now crying, you know. He's caused all this drama, and uh, they just put their arm around little Johnny, and they say, come on, Johnny, everything's going to be all right. Your daddy's not going to smack you when you get home, are you, daddy? No, we all make <laughs> mistakes. You know, I spilled my cornflakes this morning, and it happens, you know. This sort of stuff happens. Now, I'm just wondering here, what does the person with the gift of prophecy do? Well, they're going to say, obviously, I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> you know, I just sent something. Would, I came. You know, if they had a real gift of prophecy, wouldn't they have said that before it happened? <laughs> well, you know, a lot of prophets uh, seem to come out with these words after the event, don't they? But uh, seriously, you know, what I'm saying is the next time you're in a crisis, you observe the way that you respond and you observe the way that others respond and you'll probably find that everyone's responding differently and that's because our gifts motivate us in different ways. Mm, we are all wired very differently and as I said before, it'd be pretty boring if we were all the same, if everybody was like me or everyone was like you. What a boring, bland world that we would have and God in his wisdom has given us different spiritual gifts. That's right. And, and, and one, of the, one of the dangers, though, Phil, is this, that, um, you know, let's say, take the server, for example. 
you know, we said that's the one that's really running around and mopping up and doing all the all the work, all the manual work. You know, mm. now they really could have the temptation of saying, "Why isn't anybody else doing this?" You know, uh, how unspiritual everybody else is. There they are, just sitting there at the table, you know, folding their arms and uh, leaving everything up to me, and I and I alone am serving the Lord. You know, well, it sounds very much like the story of Mary and Martha. <laughs> uh, you know, and and, uh, and and Jesus' response to that, yeah. We, we've got a word for it. We've got a term for it. It's called gift projection. Uh, you know, to to operate in our gift is one thing, but then to project that onto others and, and to expect others to do what we are doing mm. is um, what we call gift projection. And they're not going to do what we're doing because, as you said, they're wired differently. They've been gifted differently. Mm. And so, therefore, their function in the body of Christ is, is different. And it seems like they're unspiritual because they're not doing what we're doing. But uh, they're being obedient to the call of God upon their lives, you know. And that can be very, very frustrating, can't it? If, if you focus on, oh, he, this person isn't doing this, I could do that, or, you know, that's the way they should be doing it. Yeah. But we actually need to top, stop and take stock, not only understand what's our spiritual gift, but what's the spiritual gift of these other people that are around me, my family, my friends, whoever it is, yeah. and recognize, you know, they're strong in this area naturally because that's how God's made them. But in this area over here, maybe that I'm strong in, they're not, and that's cool. Yeah. In fact, I, I, I think in that little illustration we gave about, you know, the lunchtime disaster, you know, as we talked about these different gifts like administration, exhorter and server and prophet and teacher and so on, I'm sure that some of our listeners will be able to sort of pigeonhole. <laughs> oh, yeah, this person know, yeah. is in that category. And yeah, this, yeah. So that's what I'm saying is not only observe yourself in a disaster or crisis, but observe the way that others are responding and, and you'll detect something of their spiritual gift as well. And we'll have more for you tomorrow as we look at discovering our spiritual gifts. Until then, remember you don't have to carry that baggage because God wants you to be set free. For books, DVDs, small group studies and other resources from Ken Legg and details about Ken's ministry, visit the Vision Christian store at vision.org.au. That's vision.org.au.